comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. TV podcast, a special Gotham premiere episode. Uh, the we got, finally got to see the much hyped and long awaited uh, Gotham uh, TV show on Fox, and uh, we are here to talk about it and other DC TV related things tonight. Uh, I have with me once again, as last time, Mr. Daryl Taylor, the tycoon of podcasting. Hello. Uh, Chub Toad Richard Sheldon, the, uh, I don't know, bassoon of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. And uh joining us tonight is our very special guest star, like they say in the old seventies, uh, made for TV movies, uh, of the Comic Timing Podcast and many other places, uh Mr. Ian Levenstein. Thank you for joining a, us, Ian. No problem. On a very special episode yes. of the DC TV podcast. I would just love to have one podcast with Daryl where we didn't talk about Dudley in the in the bike shop. Okay, so let's just steer the podcast away from there and let's just talk to awesome okay it always makes me cry oh i know man i know but we've talked about so much on nothing's honest i think it's almost like the different strokes according to jump podcast <laughs> bike shop podcast episode podcast um so gotham this is you know incredibly heralded very much hyped netflix paying inordinate amounts of money for the rights to the show before it even aired uh, we finally got to see the pilot Guys, what did you think? Live up to the hype? Not live up to the hype? Yes, no? I enjoyed it. I, 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 did. I liked it, yeah. I thought I thought it was a pretty decent start. Uh, it, it has my interest for at least a season. I think the biggest problem it had is that kind of pilotitis thing where they try to shove too much into the pilot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I they know a lot of people are going to be watching the pilot, so they want to try to throw in as many things as they can, and I thought it would have been better if they just stuck with the main story thread. They didn't, I thought the, the like, the stuff with Poison Ivy might have been a little superfluous, or, you know, the, you know, it was cool to, to, to have that nod in there or whatever. I just thought it would, other than that, I thought it was really, really good. I, I, well, I, I, it was a lot better than I expected it to be. I kind of think that they put this all in there to just let you know this is what it is. Now, if the next episode they try to throw everything in there again, then okay. But if it's, but I think this was just we're letting you know all the pieces that's on the board right now, and then everybody goes away, and we'll you know see a little bit here in one episode, you see a little bit here in another episode. Right. Well, th- there was a, there was a, a comic critics uh, comic that was released a few years back about Smallville, where uh, the, the running gag about it was like, uh, oh yeah, wow, hey, aren't you some sort of Superman? Wink. And like you know, hey, hey, uh, I call this my fortress of solitude. Wink. 
and so on and so forth. And that that's kind of what I felt we had a little bit too much of in this Gotham pilot. I hope we don't have that throughout the season, because if I hear one more, hey, uh, you sort of walk like a penguin, wink, then right. I, I might have to actually claw my eyes out. Uh, the concern I have is they reveal so much in this episode. We have a season to, here. What is What are they leaving us for, you know, to be revealed through the rest of the season yeah. is it, are, they, are they blowing their wad on the first episode or is there that much more that they're going to show us throughout the season? I think they wanted to set a lot of things in motion and they did. Yeah. It was a really yeah. full pilot. There were a lot of threads going on. Mm-hmm. A lot of characters introduced very quickly. Um, a lot of, a lot of inter interconnections between people too, that were kind of like the scene with Montoya and, and Gordon's girlfriend. Where, oh, yeah. you know, where their like past relationship is kind of revealed, you know. Oh yeah. I really, I, I thought that <laughs> yeah. was that kind of, you know, or the fact that you know they 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 frame Pe- Pepper for the crime, but uh, everybody thinks Gordon was in on the frame, but he wasn't. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. this multi-layered writing that I really appreciated about it. That really kind right. of like grounded it more like a police procedural than it being like you said, you know, wow, you walk like a penguin, or you know that. Uh, that comedian is some joker, you know, or, or <laughs> well, even Enigma. You know? I like, yeah. I kind of like the version, TV version of Enigma than I do in the comic because it would make sense if he would know police procedure mm-hmm. and yeah, be no, even I, more bigger threat. It, it, it's that's my coolest uh, change out of this whole thing is Edward Enigma actually being part of the police as opposed to just being a uh, a. a, a a, a private detective or just a a toy guy or whatever that uh, that the many many different versions of him has have been i think this might actually bring an interesting dynamic to the character uh it's just it this show is going to get dark really really quickly though if like half of the police force winds up turning into villains like that's that there's they're gonna have to tread lightly on that i feel like you know like not have like too many of the uh, pre-established uh quote-unquote hero characters wind up becoming uh, batman villains later on down the road i mean with gotham the poli- that's one of the stories of the character of the city is that it is a very very corrupt police mm-hmm. force so i yeah. mean it, it kind of makes sense and, and i think of all the little mini cameo reveals the Nigma one was my favorite one, and especially the whole, you can tell that he constantly talks in riddles because Bullock already had enough of his crap the yeah. first second he opened his mouth. I really... Well, I think you'll you'll see the redemption of, of Harvey more than anything else. I mean, uh, George Gordon's already good. I mean, we already know that, but um, I think Harvey is the one that, that he'll save first. Well, I think there's, a, there's an interesting point here. I mean, Gordon goes in wanting... You know, altruistically to clean up Gotham, to clean up mm-hmm. City Hall, to clean up the <clears throat> the police. Excuse me, but then after meeting Falcone at the end of the episode, maybe he's not so sure. You know what I mean? He's like, you know, your father and I had an understanding. You know, he's like, if you were to tear down City Hall, if you were to, you know, uh, to, you know, take out all the corrupt police, would this town, would the city be any better? Well, you have you know? to learn to manipulate the system. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. what we we have to see. Like, you just can't go in and just be like, I'm a good cop. I don't do that. Um, right. You kind of have to when you need them. You when you need them or you need information, you kind of use it and and have them do things. I mean, you'll probably see the city try, change Gordon's way of he can't be so optimistic and and just he just he has to think before he does stuff because he did a lot of stupid things in the first you know in this first episode. So, and- and sometimes you got to do bad things in order to overall do good things. 
Right. Sometimes yeah, so, you got to make the trade off. Sometimes, sometimes the uh, the best uh, cure for an illness is injected uh, from within. You know, you know, like uh, by by working with the system, he may very well be able to, uh, I guess, you know, perhaps cure it eventually of the corruption in one ways or in one way or the other. Uh, and Bullock is an interesting character to me in this because. It's not the straight corruption that you get in, say, like a uh, in the you know the the eighty nine Batman, which I felt was just way over the top, yeah. or you know some of the other portrayals of the character that we've seen. Mm-hmm. This is a this is obviously a guy that uh, does still have morals. It's mm-hmm. just the way he gets stuff done is by working with the criminals in one way or the other. Right. It's like a practical application of his morals. Right, you know, because of the system that he's in, and because of where you know city that he's in, you know that's that's like the the best way he can get his moral you know moral code, however flawed it may be across. I, I really, it's gonna be interesting to see if maybe they go like, you know, a Breaking Bad route or the Shield route, where we see kind of like Gordon's fall. You know what I mean? As he gets more and more corrupted by the the city of Gotham, mm-hmm. or you know, um, is he gonna be able to turn the tide? And if so, is that gonna result in more chaos? Or you know. It, it just, I thought it was a very interesting way they set up the city, you know, as far as, you know, it already being soaked in corruption from top to bottom. Friends has, has a joke about Gordon uh, that uh, I, I, that I hope I see maybe in season two or season three of this show, if it lasts that long, is like, uh, you know, uh, Gordon uh, ha- has, has a beer and cheats on his wife. You know, that, that, that's, <laughs> that, that's what I, 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 I hope we get to at some point in this series is just to prove that he's not just Mr. Nice Guy. Well, Sarah Essen is one of the... Um cast members so i guess yes, it's possible indeed. yep yeah well even well no. even showing that um barbara has a past i mean that already shows the kind of weak link because we all know she's going to leave him eventually she can't handle you know what's going on but um yeah even having it that she had a past and and, and whatnot and they'll probably allude to more of that um it's already a, a weakened foundation with that relationship Spe- speaking of the jim gordon uh canon I couldn't quite make out watching this the, the pilot. Now, are they going with he's been a cop in Gotham all along and now he's a rookie detective, or are they going with the background we have that he's transferred in from a from like Chicago and is now here in Gotham? Because I couldn't quite understand that they said he's the new guy, but I think he's new to the post of detective because we have that scene where he's talking to Barbara and she says mm-hmm. how silly he looked in his uniform as a you know as a uniform right. uh, cop. Yeah. So I think he's new to the the um you know the squad of detectives from being That's what a I uniform think too, cop. Cons- okay. Considering Barbara's past with uh, Montoya, right, she's lived there a while. Right, right. And, uh, his, and Gordon's father's past being referred to as him being a DA. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, which is a change. That's that's a oh, yeah. that's a big yeah. change. There were some changes definitely in, in continuity. We had um, uh, Ivy Pepper as I guess our supposed poison, you know, future poison Ivy as opposed to Pamela Isley. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, you know the the thing about Gordon not you know being from Gotham and you know working his way up from being a beat cop. Quite a few things changed. You know, Selena Kyle being present at the murder of the Waynes. Right, that's kind of huge. Well, what I what I hope is that specifically with the Ivy Pepper stuff is that it's not just change for change's sake. That that winds up coming back around like you know maybe she goes through a a a change in identity to distance herself from her from her crooked uh, past or something like that and then you know winds up uh, still down the same road as as pamela isley or something like that because the the name ivy pepper just isn't anywhere near as striking to me as pamela isley like it's too on the nose for it to actually uh 
work as a secret identity to me. Like I'd love to see a name change there at some point. So, what did you guys think of the cast? Well, let's start with start at the top with Ben McKenzie as uh, Jane, as Gordon. Very, I, I I thought he was great in it. I think he uh, had enough of the. Uh, he looked like he was a, a fresh new cop. You know, he had the fresh face and and all hope in his eyes. But he, but he also had that uh, kind of mature and tortured. Uh, kind of way about him when when things would happen my only complaint is where's the mustache other than that i thought he was great <laughs> you can't have that now he can't no young man has that mustache yeah I, I i i liked him i liked him a lot i agree i think at some point in his life he'll wind up with the mustache but he you know ben ben mckenzie's not not new to the role of a cop i mean he was on Mm-mm. southland for many many years and pretty good uh, in it too yeah, no, that that was a show that uh, lasted past its original uh, network. I mean, it went from NBC to TNT. Well, he uh, was kind of Gordon in that role because he came into it new. He, he came into it as a new cop, and he right. just he was uh, very uh, you know into this is how you do things, this is not how you do things. And he came across that other cop that was kind of like a Bullock. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been a veteran. He's, he's kind of. He has his own demons that he deals with, and he kind of skirts the line between, you know, doing things. Uh, probably why he got that role. Yeah, and it certainly distances himself from the OC. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah. The well, last that, thing I thought of was that. I thought I thought he played well off Donald Logue, too. Very much. Oh, yeah. The, the chemistry Very between well. those two is really, I think, what's going to sustain and carry this show. Mm-hmm. If they, you know, if they stay partners or whatever. And I thought they worked really well together. You know, yeah. Donald Logue's usually good in pretty much anything, yeah. uh, but he brought he brought a real edge. It's hard to make Harvey Bullock you know, likable. I mean, he's a, he's an irascible, as as he says in the show, lackadaisical drunk. You know, his loyalty is what what makes Harvey uh, likable. I think that's how you every incarnation I've ever seen him in. The only way they make him likable is his loyalty to Jim. I think I think Donald Logue's able to sell the character really well mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and make you care about him rather than just kind of write him off. Yeah, he Donald plays Logue drunk so well. He, okay. he does, yeah. And, and he and he he's been one of my favorite uh, character actors for years now, and he did such a good job in, in his short stint on Sons of Anarchy as well. Oh, uh, he was so creepy in that. I loved. That. Oh, that was so yeah. good. So good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was really good in the second season of Copper too. Just recently. oh yeah, yeah. I, 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 need, I need to see that at some point. That's a really Have underrated you... show. He was really good. You can smell the Viking alcohol song. coming off of him. <laughs> yes, Vikings. He's in definitely Vikings, Vikings, and he was he's good yeah. in that. Um, there was a movie several years ago about this comic book collection when he owned a comic book store. I forget what the name of it is. Oh, comic but... book villains, I think it was. Yep. That's what. Yeah, that yeah. was. Yeah, that that's when I first rec- You know, started to follow him, and he's he's a really good actor. I think that's part of uh, the success that they had in casting is because most people do like him as a character actor. So that helps you adapt to liking Bullock, even though he's, uh, you know, less than a saint. I wanted to next focus on, I know, Daryl, we talked on Nothing's On. You had some real reservations about Jada Pinkett Smith as Fish Mooney because, uh, and if I quote you, if I quote, misquote you, let me know. You said she looked like she might have stepped out of one of the Schumacher uh, Batman movies. Am I right? Yes. Yes. And um, I think she acted you think like now? it a little. Oh, you I think... still think I was right. I, I still think out of all of the cast, I think she was the one that was a little extra in her performance. Just a little bit. She toned it down from other roles, but she still looked like the one thing that didn't fit in this show so far to me. I was well, trying to figure out why I didn't like her in this role or having this character, and I think, Daryl, you've nailed it 
on the head right there. It is it. I didn't think about. It. She is very Schumacher esque. Mm-hmm. To me, yeah. She, she was very over the top with her acting, uh, and it, it came across, uh, I guess, a lot more in the first like scene or two that she was in, mm-hmm. but. Uh, they're they're trying to almost like force her upon us because you know that she's going to be a driving force in in the, the season as a whole. But as uh, when Chris Chris and I talked about it a little bit on a, on a commentary extra point that we recorded uh, release yesterday that uh, she would not be surprised. And I, I do agree with her on this actually that uh, if Fish Mooney winds up dead by the end of the first season at the hands of uh, of, of Cobblepot, I think it's almost inevitable. I mean, yeah, yeah, the way they built up, it's almost like they're trying to do like a, a Penguin Year One. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, they're like really building up the Penguin as like this big bad, as like this uh, you know a major villain or what have you. Uh, with the whole thing, you know, him, you know, at the end, not killing him, and then coming out of the water and killing the fisherman for a sandwich and stuff. I think we're gonna, you know, we'll probably have some, you know, nice line where, do you know what a penguin eats? You know, fish or something like that. You know, so yeah, I don't. Just, it'll it, pay. I'm sure it'll it, pay off. Probably, like you said, by the end of the first season. Did any of you read the uh, Penguin mini series that came out like right around the time the new Fifty Two launched? Oh yeah, it's like a five issue mini series. Mm-hmm. I I kind of I kind of got the whole relationship that he had with his mother in that out of the relationship he's having with the fish character. Very much, you know, he he idolized her to a point and hates mm-hmm. her even more. So right. Well, even the name and, Fish Mooney on this show, I like this show. It's just so. It's more of a Nolan type of show, so it it just uh, she just looks like she just does not fit when you match it with anybody else, any Every, other other villains in this so far. Everybody else is trying to play it very street level and very mm-hmm. uh, very realistic, except for her. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, including Falcone for that matter, because right. I mean, yeah. when when you introduce Falcone in and you and you're getting like an actual like almost like kingpin esque. Uh, big boss, uh, batty mafioso coming in, and and you compare that to what uh, Fish Mooney's been portraying in, in in the episode up until then. It's like the, the the two do not mesh. They're from two different worlds almost. Yeah, yeah, not at all. It it just doesn't go. Plus, I just don't see Valcone picking her to be uh, the head of a, a, a any kind of gang. I'm just gonna ask what you guys thought of you know since we're on the subject kind of what did you think of uh, Robin Lord Taylor as uh, as um the penguin of, of his uh, portrayal. He played off the feeling uh, isolated very well and, and being petty and uh, angry. And then they, you know, and him uh, and just being someone who would, who would stab anybody in the back. I mean, that's a penguin thing too. And he gave that off. They really wrote that really well for him. I agree. They played it. He played it very well. I I got the penguin character out of it. The only thing is, he doesn't quite have the look that I would want to see for the penguin. I never would have ever seen the penguin, even young, being a pencil necked you know geek like that. The the thing with the uh, with the penguin is that uh, he always sort of comes off as uh, as a guy who was, you know, picked on uh, at one point in his life and uh, might not have always been the strongest voice in the crowd, but eventually works his way up to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're certainly going to see that over the course of this season. I think that, that uh, the actor does, does a good job of really uh, of getting that almost like, you know, second-tier thug personality down right away that and uh, maybe you know working his way past that as time goes on 
I think you see, I think actors now can kind of see that there's a lot of room for their own interpretation and stuff from these characters. I mean, look at Tom Hardy's Bane as opposed to the Bane in the comic or, or Heath Ledger's Joker, as it were, or, or even Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. You know, I think, you know, he probably sees this opportunity as an actor to really do something cool and different with the, the Penguin character. And I hope he really goes for it. I mean, it, I could see this being really, you know, compelling villain in the story as it goes, you know, goes forward. Uh, he'll definitely be the... Uh the first, I guess, manifestation of a full-fledged villain on this show, I have a feeling. Like, uh, you know, we might get there with some of the other characters uh, at at, uh, at some point, but in this first season, we will probably have a, a, a cobblepot that is closer to the cobblepot that we know by the end of season one. Yeah, I would think I would think so at some point. Um, like I said, it's going to be like the uh, you know Penguin Year One, <laughs> the uh, the you know the evolution of the character as it goes on. Evidently, a lot of people were interested in Gotham as well. Eight million viewers. Mm-hmm. Very 3, good. Three point two share for the night, which is pretty good considering you know, we had other premieres and other channels um, going on. Um, I, we I, we have a uh, Facebook group, DCTV podcast group, oddly enough, and I put the call out for everybody to tell me what they thought of the premiere. Uh, Carlos Carmona said, yeah, I thought it was good. Looked like they tread the style Christopher Nolan had in his films, especially the running chase scene. Um, yeah, that was the one thing I wanted to mention. That like little GoPro shot of him, you know what I'm talking yeah, about, when he was weird. running after the guy, that it was very jarring. It was very distracting mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um, I suspect the comic in the club could be the Joker, Carlos goes on, but no reference was made, so we're left guessing. I'm sure a few people will eye-roll at the introduction of certain characters like Riddler, Ivy, Catwoman, Penguin, but screw it. Uh, I welcome it. I didn't feel forced into it. Someone mentioned there was a little Tim Burton feel to it, too. I did not see that. Well, one of the things that uh, that I heard, uh, Jim, and it's something that uh, that I brought up in a couple of different places, and I know that uh, Rich Johnston pointed it out on Bleeding Cool a, a week or two ago, and I, I really hope this is the case, is that a- according to things that he heard and that other people heard as well, is that just about every single episode of this first season of Gotham is going to introduce us to a character that could potentially be the Joker, and uh you know, we're, we're, we're probably not going to find out who the Joker is going to be until mm-hmm. way further down the line. But that intrigue that, you know, could it be him? Could it be uh, this this other guy is sort of there? You know, how did I get these scars of, of, of this of this particular series? And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, I'd love that if they're going to do if they do that. That'd be great. That's a great hook. I had no idea mm-hmm. they were doing that. That's yeah. great. I, I hope it's as true. Well. It could be a rumor, but I hope it's true. We'll as see long next as episode. he's not Joe Chill, then um, oh God. as long as they no, stay away I don't from think that. that. I don't think they went that, that route, especially no. with the clean shoes and the whole... I don't I don't think they're going to go that route. I don't think so either. I like the guy that kills the Waynes being, you know, a no-name crook. You know, it just... It, it, it makes the Waynes seem more like an everyday family because this could happen to anyone versus well, having it be a hit by... You know. Well, it still might be a hit. We don't know that. Yeah, and, and be, that's but... yeah. I, I'm completely, I'm completely in your camp there. I, I much prefer it being a a random schlub uh, who who wound up uh, killing them as opposed to something that was planned because that that cheapens it to me a little bit. And I, I, I just, I, it it makes it more unique to me if it's just a something that's not related to anything. Didn't matter whether they were you know, known as, as the Waynes to everybody or whether they were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. They just got killed by the wrong guy at the wrong time. Um, 
I, but because this is a, is a TV show, I can easily see them going the other way. And as long as they make it interesting, then, you know, so be it. Yeah, I have the feeling they're going right. to end up tying the backstory somehow into why they were killed and, yeah. and whatnot. I just have that feeling. I'm not sure why. Um, Patrick Tony wrote in. Uh, good detail to making Gotham come alive. Ben McKenzie was good as James Gordon. I like Jada Pinkett Smith's fish, Mooney. Uh, you can tell she was having fun. I, I rolled hey, in. Yes, I mad. Also, didn't like how they shoot uh, horns. First thing is that CBS is I thought they were the Cowboy and Bruce Wayne's orbit a little show. too hard. The yeah, actress playing Renee Montoya is going to be a drama. I have a serious commitment. It was enjoyable, but CBS will be airing the action Batman Robin series. What do you guys think? Okay, you think this could be cool. Uh, or... Jerry Atkinson. It's just well, weird to see any podcast. show yeah, on CBS. Uh, the performances were very nuanced for the most well, part. I mean, except for Jada. Flash was in the CBS back in the day. Um, but so, I mean, it's, I it's yeah, not like you've seen grow as a character. Fingers crossed. Gotham itself looks pretty dark and hopeless. Joseph Gordon has a secret. Can't wait to see what comes next. The way it's treated. Okay. And I then finally, they Adam Tom wrote it. in. I like thought it was very like pilot. They didn't want each other in the world. It was like they were embarrassed to, to even. I'm a little skeptical uh, how young when they talk about it. When they talk about the creators that worked on that show, they just it was like they just didn't want to do it. Like once they had signed it, they made the show and and whatnot. It was like I don't think it really belongs on this network. Yeah. Well, it, well, what, that and society wasn't really that accepting of superhero TV shows at the mm-hmm. time like they are now. So, well, out of all the networks, CBS has been the one that has not been jumping on that bandwagon for a while. You know, their 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 biggest thing has been they tried to do a sci-fi show um, with the guy that played uh, Sawyer from Lost, um, mm-hmm. and even that. Like, intelligence, yeah, intelligence, a human computer or something. Even that didn't really; it just didn't work for them the way they did it. It just they sucked out any type of life that show should have had. Right, person you know, of with, interest is like the most uh, uh, sci-fi esque show that, that right. they have. Right, and it's not even; it's more about the computer than it is about the people being, you know, beings or anything like that. Like that's as yeah. close as I would say that's as close as they get to a. To a sci-fi show is is source of interest. Well, well yeah, no, it's just the other thing is that it's a series commitment, but that doesn't mean it's actually going to go forward. I mean, for all we know, the mm-hmm. pilot could could absolutely sink, and we'll never hear about this again. I mean, for for now, it's just you know this got quote unquote signed. You know, it wouldn't be the first time. Well, it's the one network that doesn't at all need to do this. Like they, yeah. you know, if it doesn't work for them, they could just cut their losses, and it would really be a loss for them because they've pretty much been able to hold on to their audience throughout you know throughout the years well and they've got the cash cow of ncis csi criminal minds Mm -hmm. and 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 those type of shows i mean that's their money makers so they can dabble in other things like you said if it fails it's a drop in the bucket to them right they're the they're the old fogey network for the most part and that's why they still get ratings because only old Mm -hmm. people still watch network tv yeah you even look at uh agents of shield that they lost a significant. Um, I mean, it's not in the toilet, but I mean, they've lost a significant amount of viewers, you know, since their premiere last that season. Well, that's there's there's many reasons why that happened. But guess what? This isn't the Marvel show, so I can't really talk about it no. too much. In fact, I think they're actually recording the Marvel show on Skype while we're doing this. Probably. So. <laughs> well, the only thing I'm I'm very curious to see if because that show didn't do as well as they wanted to with their season premiere. 
And this, if this show goes down in ratings, I'm, I'm waiting for the whole thing of, oh, no, the bubble has burst. There's too many <laughs> superhero shows on TV. Maybe we should stop. Like, I'm waiting for that. If, if, well, if this ratings go down for this show, I could see it. With that, in mind, uh, with that in mind, <laughs> uh, Deadline reported Tuesday that Lucifer is being uh, uh, developed as a drama for Fox by mm. the, uh, the creator of Californication, uh, Tom Capinos. Which and Warner Brothers, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I can see that being a pretty cool show. But well, weird for being on Fox. I mean, that's something yeah. I would think would be on cable because Lucifer is very, very much a more of a, an adult, a very mature type story. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, well, so so was Hellblazer when it was around before it became John Constantine, and now Constantine is on NBC. Right. So I, I I could probably see them uh, doing their best to sort of Hannibalize it, at which is mm-hmm. you know getting right up to that line, but not actually crossing it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do something things like that on the following too. They have pretty extreme stuff on there. Dude, twenty four. Come on. Yeah. 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 It's true. And then finally, another the last like major optioning we have this that we wanted to report on real quick uh, um, is uh, uh, Titans. Uh, TV show being developed for TNT. I was so excited to see that. Well, here's here's the interesting hook to this, okay? Both TNT and CW are both owned by Time Warner. Mm-hmm. So, yep. conceivably, they could take place in the same universe. That's true. And they could try a character out on one show and move it to the other. In fact, that's what um, uh, CW President Mark Padowitz was telling Adweek this week. Mm-hmm. Said on, you know, is there room to grow them into, you know, you can introduce a character on Flash or Arrow and then grow them into the Titan show. I think you can. I mean, you know, I, I think they could play with that. I, I'm i very, very cautious about a, a show based on the Titans because they, there's a lot of camp in their history. You know, like there's there's a lot of baggage in their history as well. And they're going to have to be very careful to... Well, for one thing, I hear that Nightwing is, is going to be on it specifically. So do you mention Batman? Or is Nightwing just a character not related at all to to that family whatsoever? And it's just Dick Grayson, his own guy, so on and so forth. And the rest of the Titans as well have no history being uh, sidekicks. Or, you know, where, yeah. where, where, where do you go from there? Like, or you do it, they could do it like the animated one. Not Young Justice, but the... Um... Uh, the animated version where they never mention Batman, mm-hmm. but they mention he was a he had a he has a mentor, right? And they they kind of leave it at that. He casts a shadow over me. I have a mentor, you know, like that type of thing. They throw hints, but they never they never dig too deep into that. So maybe they'll play with that. Well, can they can they even use the name Dick Grayson, or is that a name tied to Batman properties that Fox would have? purview over with uh, Gotham. It's, that is a very good question. And uh well, I mean, it's Warner Brothers. They they're this I mean, they're the original proprietor of the trademark. Yeah, the I would, yeah, I would so, think they wouldn't even bother to do it if they're not going to do Dick if not going to use Dick Grayson. I don't think what, they would even want to dip into it. What I would assume is the case now is like like what Jim just said is that because it's it's Warner Brothers making these contracts, they probably have specific wording in the contracts that states, you know, if we want to use the character on mm-hmm. another one of our shows, then 
there's nothing you can really do about it because we're the ones that are licensing the, to you guys. This is not a Marvel Properties with Fox situation right. here and Marvel Properties with Sony situation. And they're also being a Marvel Studios because those contracts were written years and years and years ago where they were not actually thinking at all about franchising. You know, they were just about about how well, much money can we make selling this off to different people. Doesn't Fox's rights to the Batman universe, doesn't that date back all the way to the 66 series? Because they were the studio that actually filmed the, you know, the show and had it, the rights from the original movie. Right, it does, but, but but those those rights have since, you know, reverted back and reverted back and switched back and forth and so on and so forth. Like, this this Gotham thing is an entirely new contract with Fox. From, from yeah, it would have to time. re-up it by now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, well, think about it. Birds of Prey aired on, aired on WB, you know, so, so uh, that, that that was not a Fox property. That was... That's that true. Was a, that's true. Yeah. So they, they've definitely signed newer contracts with newer wording since then. Because mm-hmm. they would have issues with Huntress and stuff like that, they would have Absolutely. to right yeah. to deal with that. Well, on the uh, on the last episode of the DC uh, TV podcast, we talked about whether we thought the uh, you know the television universes and the uh, universe set up by you know Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice should be connected in any way, or if they should be separate. And we you know, debated the pros and cons. Ian, what do you think? Do you think that you know Arrow and the Flash should be part of a, a bigger continuity? Or they should just remain separate from the movie universe. I think they should stay separate from the movie universe, so I'll continue to enjoy Flash and uh, and and Arrow because I hate the movie. Um, but uh, sure. in, in, in all, no, yeah, no, sorry. I'm I'm with you, but <laughs> we both know Daryl is in the firmly in the pro man sure, steel camp. So yeah, yeah, I know. Our comic time to do two hours of hate <laughs> on a movie. Sure. Hey man, I'm, hey, man. I'm with you. Daryl. Yeah, and, and and you know what, you know what, Daryl, honest, uh, be, be completely honest with me. Was it hate or was it justified reasoning? Like, I mean, we gave uh, Brent some his of time it of was day. justified, and some of it was meh. Yeah, it's not all right. mine. Yeah. All right, that's 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 no, perfectly was. fine. I know, okay. I know it was, I know it was, okay. and it still is today. All right, but all right. but I I think it would be a lot safer for DC to keep them separate. However, what I would like to see, and except for Gotham, because I feel like Gotham's its own entity, because Batman is so separate from everything else at this point that, you know, it, it honestly wouldn't even make sense. And it's a prequel, so, you know, tying it into everything would be just awkward. But I feel like Flash, Arrow, this potential Titan show, Constantine, and that potential Supergirl show, if it does happen, those could all work perfectly well in the in the same universe you know because it, it it's not it, it wouldn't be the first time in the world that shows have crossed network boundaries to have crossovers i'll i'll, I'll go back to the days of uh, the practice crossing over with boston public you know that was that was an abc show crossing over with fox you know as Didn't long as there's a showrunners the they did have similar showrunners yes but what i'm saying is here you know they're since they're all wb properties they were all talking to the same people jeff johns is involved in just about all this stuff you know they could probably easily you know make terms that would work for everyone if they were to do a epic crossover amongst you know different networks so i i could all i could see that all happening in the same universe except for gotham i feel like that's separate well, see, Constantine, I, I wouldn't see that. I don't think they would touch that. Everything else I could see maybe doing that. But Constantine, I, I would think 
would just be the supernatural stuff. Yeah, you don't you don't think supernatural stuff would cross over well with the rest of the uh the, the rest I'm not of the that shows? it wouldn't. I just don't I don't think when they're doing this show right now, I don't think that that's in their in their minds to do to to touch anything outside of mm-hmm. the the supernatural stuff like you have Dr. Fate's helmet and right. You like other maybe they even do something about Swamp Thing or they throw something else in there. You know, yeah. like stuff like that I can see them doing. I I can see them kind of doing it like pretend this is Vertigo. And this is DCU, mm-hmm. and we're going to keep this Vertigo stuff over here, and we're going to keep the DCU stuff over here. Considering that they're introducing actual superpowers in the world of Arrow now, with with Flash, and mm-hmm. uh, and with uh, Weather Wizard, and all that jazz that's going to be going on over there, I, I feel like all of this could play nice if they tried hard enough. And I can I completely understand your point there, Daryl. Is that it's it's a darker tone, it's a different a different set of rules and all that stuff. But to have a guy like Dr. Fate only exist in the Constantine world and not being able to then cross over into Arrow, Flash, and whatnot because you've already established it on Constantine, I feel like that would be silly. So, Well, I think they're waiting. I, like, I, It's not a judgment thing of whether they're going to do it or not. I just, from mm-hmm. seeing the pilot and, and whatnot, that I just okay. think... That they're doing that on their own, and if sure. if this stuff really does well for them, just like with Arrow, Arrow's very dark, mm-hmm. especially the first. I mean, he cut, he cracked a guy's neck in the first episode. <laughs> I mean, his father shot himself in the head in the first episode, so yeah. it was very dark, and they they didn't know how the show was going to be received. So they they were given those things of you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this when it did well for them on that show and then other stuff did well in movies, you know, the Marvel stuff and everything did well, then that's when they said you can do this stuff. So I think they're going to wait and see. Like, if if The Flash continue, does well for them, Arrow continues to do well, and then if Constantine does well, I think they'll come back to that room and they'll discuss it again. Yeah. And then they might change their minds and say, well, why not? Let's try to put some stuff together. Well, I think Constantine might be the oddball, oddball out just because it's on NBC, mm-hmm. and it's not part of the you know it's not under the purview of being owned by Warner. It'd be and, hard. And, and of course, Gotham would probably have to be separate as well, like you guys were saying. Right. I, but I think they could conceivably do it. Um, I, just a matter of like whether they want to or whether they would want you know or whether they would do it. You know, um, I don't know if they're going to have. I don't know if they see them having themselves having the same success as Marvel had by combining all the universes, or else they probably would have gone forward and done that. We have a lot of different uh, uh, people in the group, too, with a lot of different views on it. Um, mm-hmm. Russell, one of my buddies, from uh, thinks that they, they should be separate. Uh, I don't think they have to combine them at all. Having them separate is fine. Just because Marvel has success doing it all connected doesn't mean DC can't have success keeping things more separate. The one plus that DC has in keeping their WB TV properties separate from the movie properties is it gives them freedom Arrow and Flash can include just about anyone and not be worried about actors and contracts, etc. Yeah. At this point, at this point, Arrow and Flash are too far down the rabbit hole to integrate into the Snyder universe. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I um, it, something that bothers me too going forward with the Flash and and the Titans, especially, is um, the depiction of the superpowers using you know a television budget too. Mm-hmm. I'm a little concerned about that. Um, I mean, the Flash pilot looked great, and you know, I think the super pilot, superpowers came out very, very well. Yeah. But I just, uh, I don't know if uh, you know, that's sustainable with a well, television budget, unless it's see, a huge hit. 
So you guys have all seen the the leaked pilot, I assume, right? Right. Yeah. All right. Okay. So so I mean, you know what the the, the newspaper said on that last scene. So even yeah. talking about, uh, actually, you know, I haven't. So don't spoil it. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm He's... not going to spoil it for you. All I'm going to say is that when you read, when you see that last scene of Flash, and you see what the newspaper reads, you'll be. Th- you might be thinking a little bit different about crossing over and who they can and can't use, and so right. on. And so Exactly. Okay. And and make sure you wear an adult diaper. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, and, and, and I wish and, I had. <laughs> and my two cents on this is, of course, Flash and Arrow together, obviously. But I think they could work in Titans somehow. You know, maybe not where it's a constant, um, where they're leaked where they're tied together, but there, there are those crossovers. But uh, Gotham, like you said, Jim, is is too far outside of it, as well as Constantine. Um, as far as the Supergirl, I, 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 my concern about the whole Supergirl series is, are they going to have to bring in some of the Superman canon, considering who she is? Yeah. And if they do... Well, in the script, they, she's they, the cousin. Yeah, they can't, they can't really tie it, to, in my opinion, to the Man of Steel films, because... Unless they go with that same kind of tone, and if they do, to me that doesn't fit for a television series because yeah. I, I actually and specifically not CBS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or I mean, as a character, if you think about it, you're right. I mean, I enjoyed the Man of Steel movie because I liked the whole science fiction aspect of it, and I mean, I did have a lot of issues with it. You know, not nearly as many as you did, Daryl, but um, I just cannot see. Uh, birthing any TV series that are connected to it out of it. You know, where Marvel, when they built up to things, you know, they laid out a plan and they had a plan. And at some point, probably around the time of Avengers, they decided, hey, we could also spin off into television properties and things like that. And they carefully, you know, built things up through their cinematic universe to do it. They haven't done that on the DC side, uh, other than in Arrow building up for The Flash. And, and, I mean, they could have that opportunity to do that with Titans and, and, and a few other things. But as far as tying them into the cinematic universe from DC, Nolan's Batman standalone, Man of Steel, like I said, the, the tone of it and just the world that was built in that film does not fit with what we've seen on television so far. I don't know about that. You're saying that, but you haven't seen anything yet. Like, we've only seen one Man of Steel. There's no talk of... We don't know if you could throw uh, Supergirl in there. We don't know about other babies that might have come out of that or other outposts that have been... I mean, they did put that in the canon that they had other outposts, and even though they said they were destroyed... We don't know if he's, you know, if that's really what happened. If, if somehow they got out, you know, somehow her family managed to to get out of it somehow, or he thought like another scientist who thought like Jorel who wanted to save his daughter. Mm. I mean, well, you can't. I mean, you. It depends on what you write. You, if you write it, I can make anything happen in that movie. Whatever I, you do, though, whatever you do, Daryl, uh, this cannot be another Smallville. This cannot be another. I'm learning no, how to it would use have my powers. To be, it would have to be well in that little script thing that they share when they talk about it. Yeah. It has it that she did. She realizes that it's time. Mm. It's time to come out of her shell and accept her her role Good. as Supergirl. They, okay. That's in the thing. So I'm I'm figuring that's the first episode. Yeah, is that all right? I've been you know hiding as as Kara for a while. I've learned how to use my abilities. 
now I don't want to hide anymore. I'm going to be Supergirl. You know, I, I just don't think we're thinking far enough back. I think that this is going to tie into Lois and Clark to Real Adventures of Superman. I'm, <laughs> God, I hope it doesn't I'm, tie into the Supergirl movie. Touch that <laughs> thing. Don't touch that or the Real Adventures of Dust the cobwebs off Dean Kane. Come on. Come on. Ugh, no. Keep him in the cheerleader show I like. <laughs> ha- have they cast who's going to be Supergirl? No, nah, they just no. Um, they just think the deal. So because yeah, I'd 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 be all about if they had uh, what's her name Vandervoort or whatever that played her on Smallville. I think oh, she. Oh yeah. They can get her out of Canada. <laughs> no. Oh, you know they're going <laughs> to film this in Canada. Come on, come on. Yeah, well, see if Although, he has the well. Maybe. I want I want Amy I want Amy Schumer. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, yeah. going back, going back to the Gotham pilot real quick, Jim. I I loved how they did their best to make it like New York, but not New York, because mm-hmm. the entire show is filmed in Manhattan, Brooklyn, and the and the 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 outer boroughs in that general area. Like yeah. adding like that above ground train in there to try and make it look, look like that it wasn't Manhattan, even though that just looked like the uh, the above ground train that Doctor Octopus faces Spider Man on in the in Spider Man Two that doesn't Very exist. Much. The plate, uh, like, the plate train. Yeah, and and uh, and a, and a couple of uh, buildings. Uh, you know, they CGI'd in a few buildings here and there. It's like, no, it's not New York. It's Gotham. Shut up. I I think I get where somebody was saying that it's like the Burton. It has a taste of the Burton uh, thing to it because you have the cars that are like from the seventies, and then they have flip phones. Right. Right. Like they're trying to. Yeah, it's you'll never know what what year this is done and like you'll never be able to look at this and say it's you know it's in the 70s or it's in the 80s or maybe it's now like they, they they're gonna keep playing with that it looks like 1974 so. exactly <laughs> 1970x it's what <laughs> it, it's like the goldbergs it was 1980 something yeah <laughs> um here's uh here's a dissenting voice from the other side of the argument from Corey jackson uh, even though anyone with brain cells knows that WB should combine the DC film and TV properties into one cohesive universe, but sadly they won't do it because WB would rather sabotage themselves than be seen as following in Marvel's footsteps. Also, anyone who doesn't think that Stephen uh, Amell has the talent to carry the Oliver Queen character over into a JLA feature film is just stupid. I'd like to see it. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, no, see, that, that when I when I first thought about this and first you know, posed the question... That was my main thing. It was like, if they do, you know, make it to a Justice League inevitability of a movie, is this, you know, is Stephen uh, Amell going to play the Green Arrow? Is, mm-hmm. you know, the guy from The Flash going to be playing The Flash? Or are they going to recast them? And, you know, I don't know if that would be confusing to recast them or be confusing not to because people haven't seen the show. I mean... No, leave leave Barry Allen in the Flash TV series and give us Wally West in Justice League. Hmm. <laughs> You, you know what the problem is? Is that uh, they did this... Essentially, they did this in the reverse of what Marvel did. You know, the movies came first, and then eventually they decided to branch out the movie universe into television. It's a lot more difficult to branch a te- a television show that came first, because Arrow did come before Man of Steel, so, you know, that's the, that's the established universe, and they went off and did, they did Man of Steel. It's a lot more difficult to branch a television show into movie franchise. You know, it, 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 it doesn't really work that way nearly as often as it does the other way around. Even with the, the branding, because you look at even something like Star Trek, the next generation, it yeah, did not right. do well for them 
uh, moving it from the TV to the to the movies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you, I know at Guardians of the Galaxy, you have actors who, well, the, the main actor who's only been on TV, and people swore he could never be a movie star. Um, but then it changed that that Marvel emblem when you put that Marvel brand on something, it changes. It, yeah. it changes how people look at something. And if they had not had that Marvel brand, then he might not have been um, as well received as he was now. Well, cr- crossover actors, and and that's that's different than than shows going to, going to movies. Actors these days, in particular. Uh, it's a hell of a lot more easy as an actor to go from TV to movie back to TV and and the other way around. Like there's there's so much quality television out there right now uh, that actors go back and forth all the time. I mean, just look at American American Horror Story is a perfect example of that. Uh, that like, that's a great example. I'm just gonna say, and a lot of actors look at it as something that's challenging and interesting to do now. It doesn't have the stigma. Mm-hmm. That they used to have, you know, there used to be movie actors, used to be television actors, and oh, there yeah. were the twins shall meet. Yeah. And now you have, you know, film actors all the time showing up on television or doing something, you know, shorter and more episodic. I mean, look at True Detective on HBO, or you know, there are a lot of different examples. Holly Berry in an NBC miniseries. Did you think you'd ever be saying those words for that Rosemary's Baby thing they did? Over oh, extant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, but then, what you think about it? Really, why that happened was because of age. Yeah, Hollywood aged them out, and then they had to go back. It, it started. It really started with damages with Glenn Close, where she came back to do that role, and nobody thought she was going to do that. They even mm-hmm. told her she was stupid for doing that. Yeah. And then other shows started coming out of it, and they started doing well. So other actors that at first would be like, "I would never do TV," begging to do TV now in, in certain well, in certain venues. I think it also has to do with the Hollywood machine has changed so much. And, I mean, you're getting back to the roots of some of the indie film like we had in the early 90s. And as an actor, I you know, I would think that part of it is, one, keeping your, keeping your face out there. And, two, I mean, television, you get a steady paycheck. You know, I mean, you have a job. Whereas you don't know what movie you're going to go to. And nowadays there are so many films that get put into pre-production and then scrapped that, you know, I mean, while they still get some pay out of it, they're not getting the exposure as an actor. Uh, Whereas, you know, sign on for even a one uh, season like uh, True Detectives, you know, you're you're getting your face out there again. You know, people know your name, and they're seeing the range of acting that you can do. And to sell an actor short, going from TV to film, you know, it all depends upon their skill as an actor. I mean, there's a lot of actors that have, you know, they had humble beginnings in television. You know, George oh, yeah. Clooney, Brad Pitt. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and with Chris Pratt, I don't understand why there was so many naysayers. To me, he proved himself as a leading man with the Lego Movie. So, oh, yeah. well, even even before that, Moneyball, he was fantastic. Yeah, in Moneyball. yeah, yeah. But even Lego, come on, with the Lego Movie, then nobody thought they, they're talking about the Lego Movie more than they're thinking about the actor himself like they're not they're talking about him being on screen he was the main character in that movie he had the most dialogue in that movie but i'm saying selling selling the whole look like selling hollywood has that there are people that have this thing if you're not the hollywood you don't have the hollywood look or you don't have this or whatever and you have to fight it you have to your your agent or whatever you have to to kind of 
fight against that type of thing, and they put you as a type well, and, and nothing else. What's going well, with, it depends. Uh, what, Look at Andy Circus. I mean, he's mm. you know you you never hardly see him as himself. You know, he's always some sort of CG character. Yet he's one of the most brilliant actors I think that are out there because he can sell a CGI character to me as realistic more than just the effects. It's it's you know I mean Gollum is Gollum. You know mm. uh, Caesar but he's one is of the Caesar. Few that have done that. Like he's he's one of the few. That, that... What, what what about the guys who uh, who go cross genre like Michael Sheen, you know, a guy who's who's worked in in many a sci fi movie, uh, many a a fantasy movie, and is now doing Masters of Sex for Showtime. Or you know? there and, seems to be a prototype lately too that kind of Kevin Spacey started with, uh, where you know you find a production company, you find a property that you want to develop that you like for yourself, mm-hmm. and then you know f- f- you know get the money together and and produce it that way. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there are a lot of different. I mean, things have changed so much it, yeah, from, from the way that, that, that us, things, you know, that you, gave uh, us the Brandon Ruth Superman. So I don't know it, if that's a good yeah. example. It also gave us. It also gave us Louis. You know, so yeah, I mean, true, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I mean, there are a lot of different models and different, you know, things. And and you know, you guys make a good point about the, you know, there doesn't seem to be a division now between television and movies as far as the actors. You know, in the stratum of acting or whatever. I mean, breaking. You know, the acting in Breaking Bad was just as good as any acting in any movie. No question. You no know, question. I mean, there, it's it's you know not a different level of acting or, or entertainment. Men. Or Mad Men. You know, I mean, there are so many examples. You know, The Sopranos, The Wire. You know, on and on and on. And these but, were people that were thought of as not. These are not people that would be movie stars. That that's where I'm talking about what they were thought of as uh, from Hollywood people. They were thought of as not movie star to people. Well, and bringing Brian it back Cranston's around, been in, been in uh, as many movies uh, as he's been in television shows, but not the big lead. The though I'm talking about, like not that, not the guy's going to sell you the movie. Godzilla, Godzilla. He's he's he's. Well, he's I mean that's after Breaking Godzilla. Bad, but I'm talking about before Breaking Bad. He was not the guy in a movie that was going to sell those tickets. He was one of the good additions to a show, to a movie, but All he right. wasn't a guy they thought of as. Oh, I'm gonna go see it because of that guy. Right. He had me with his Irish Spring commercials, so you know. <laughs> You're an he had easy me with sell. his Power Rangers work. <laughs> You're yeah. an easy sell. <laughs> but I mean, you know, we're talking about there not being that big a division anymore. I think it'd mm-hmm. be very easy for the the actors, you know, who play the Flash and and the you know and Green Arrow respectively to be in a Justice League movie. I mean, it's not going to be a focused on them. Obviously, they're just being right, part, right. You know, partial players or whatever. It's part of an ensemble, but I don't think you know that stigma is there. Well, people anymore. they say it till you do it. And that, that's the thing. It's it's the point of just doing it first. Everything yeah. is naysay to a point. I mean, even doing the Marvel thing altogether, people didn't think that was going to work until it was done. Now everybody's like, "Of course it works. Of course that's how you do it." But nobody believes in anything until somebody proves it to someone. Robbie Downey Jr. They were like, he was done in Hollywood. He was supposedly yeah. finished. He would never do another film. He would never be a, a, a Hollywood actor again. Now he's, now he's Hollywood's highest paying man. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so it's just the point. Of, if they just decided and said, you know what? The hell with you. We're just going to do it. We're going to put him in the movie. And the movie is is written well. Then it's fine. <laughs> that just negates everything. Fine. <laughs> of course. Of course we should have done that in the first place. So it just depends on what happens. Well, and it's cool for actors nowadays that that act 
being an actor has become a singular job. It's no longer I'm a TV actor, I'm a movie mm-hmm. actor, I'm a stage actor. I mean, I love the fact that I see, you know, television actors in in the off season going and doing Broadway plays or oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. starring in web series. And things like that. I mean, nowadays it's they're not limited to just you know one avenue, and 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 anybody in any career in any profession, that's mm-hmm. what they want. They want that versatility in their job. That that's what keeps you employed. And and you know nowadays that's that's just great. I you know I would love to go see a, a play where Brian Cranston is in the cast. Oh my you know? God, yeah. And and uh, oh. from, from everything I heard, he played one hell of a uh, of a president of the United States in his in his most recent uh, Broadway Broadway role. So yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm hopefully I'm 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 hoping that these shows do well enough. First, I mean that's the first thing out the gate is to is to keep your audience through the whole season. Yeah, that's the most. Well, and the thing other right thing now. too is we we've read you know Jim read a lot of the the stuff from our facebook group and but you know everything that i've read online or everything that we've heard everything that we've talked about it's all coming from people that are either comic book fans or or they have a fandom history in batman um i'd really like to hear some opinions of people that you know really aren't steeped into the comic book world and Mm -hmm. you know because they they may not have sat there and been like oh poison ivy oh this oh that you know those reveals would have been a different situation and i'd you know i'd kind of like to hear that opinion i can actually help i can actually help you with that because my wife is my wife is pretty much Mm non-geek um she doesn't have the attachment to batman that i do she's seen the (laughs) Nolan movies obviously because uh, you know she's a human being on the planet Earth, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, but I mean, she's on. You know, she she watched the Gotham pilot with me, and she gave it a B minus. She oh, said okay. she thought uh, she thought you know she really liked the lead actors, and she thought the story was pretty good, but that there seemed to be a lot of uh, digressions and a lot of characters that didn't you know apply, and mm-hmm. most of those were like Ivy Pepper or you know Edward Nigma or that kind of thing. The kind of thing us comic book guys. We're eating up with a spoon. Well, right, see, and, so. and that and that was one of the things. Like, as I'm watching the pilot, I'm going to myself, like, how much of like what is what is this going to bring to the Batman mythos that has not already been done? And that's, I think, one of the most important things that Gotham is going to have to drive home is that there's a reason to watch this week after week because even though you know that Bruce Wayne is going to become Batman, it's got to give that backstory enough kick for you to continue to want to watch the the, the side characters because Bruce is not the main character of this show he's not mm-hmm. going to be the main character of this show he might right. show up from time to time but it's not his story it's it's Gordon's story it's Bullock's story it's the GCBD mm-hmm. in general which is you know to go on a mini rant here why I wish they had just done a freaking Gotham Central show yeah that was uh, something that... right I agree you know? Like yeah. that, w- we wouldn't be having those those questions. We wouldn't having be having those problems of having to shoehorn in Batman's growth. I mean, Bruce Wayne's growth as a uh, as a uh, human being if he's already Batman and he's just off doing other things while the GCBD is solving cases. See, when they first announced this show, that's what I was hoping it would be. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Like I said, you, you, people have to have a reason to to watch it. I think the novelty hook is not going to be enough to bring people in more than the first few weeks. If they're oh, yeah. not drawn in by these characters and these situations and these stories, then it's just going to die on the vine. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Batman, Batman cachet or not. 
And that's um, with anything. I mean, that's. I mean, and I'm not doing it a Marvel versus DC thing, but I'm just saying as a superhero mm-hmm. thing, you have Marvel's Agents of Shield, and their movies have done phenomenally well. Mm-hmm. But yet, that's not enough. Yeah, it has to be more to keep your audience coming. Like, you have to do more than that. Well, it just can't I, be us. I, not to digress too far into Marvel, but I haven't actually haven't seen the ratings for the, the premiere of uh, Agents of Shield. Were they better than uh, the finale of season one? Like, were, was there an uptick at all? Or they were kind of uh, they were uh, they came in second place after NCIS New Orleans. Okay. Right. That's a good sign. Um, That's a good sign for that. All right. Yeah, they didn't uh, do as well as they had hoped. It was a one point four, right. I think. Yeah, they had a one point four. Okay. Right. All right. Well, if if Gotham, I'll be very interesting to see where the numbers go after say episode three, because two there's going to be a drop off. There's always a drop off. Always. Yeah. Always. Like by episode three, four, five, if it starts leveling off and we start getting numbers similar to Agents of Shield, mm-hmm. uh, the question is going to have to be because they're putting a lot of money into this this show like a lot of money well, like, even see? with even with the eight i mean it's good but i mean even with the amount of of buzz this thing got i think they really thought they would do better than they yeah i think I they just really don't did. understand the choice of of monday night time slot that, not a good choice you know you know I, what it I, is because monday night actually historically for fox has done quite well um and like think of twenty four. Twenty four was their tentpole show for years, and that that had humongous ratings mm-hmm. uh, on on Monday nights. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Monday Night Football was not as big of a impact as it once was when it was on network TV because not everybody has ESPN. Right. But still... I mean, I mean, I know that you know my my watching doesn't count for those numbers. It'll count for the DVR numbers, but you know I watched the Bears game and then I watched God. Well, they included some of that in there. I think they included some of the, uh, the – the, trying to find info on it, it looked like they did include some of the the DVR and Hulu stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, you could watch it next week or next month or whatever, and I don't – you know, like, I don't know when those numbers come in. They, I think they adjust for DVR up to, I think, two weeks after, if I, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's really the only thing that factors in. Like, they're not going to care mm-hmm. if, like – like, what I've just been doing, I've been catching up on, like – Back episodes of Louie, like you know, six months after they aired, like that's right. not gonna that's not gonna matter at all because they stopped caring at that right. point. They uh, they put them in three three categories. What's called a plus three, plus seven, and plus fourteen, okay. which is uh, someone who watches in the first three days after a broadcast, seven days, and then fourteen. And uh, as we reported, nothing's on not too long ago. Nielsen ratings are finally starting to take those uh, online viewings and everything into account. So the thing that kills me about Gotham is here we have this show. It's kind of you know, the debuting and, and, you know, doing well, but like uh, Daryl said, not blowing the doors off everything. And Netflix has already bought the right to this show, rights to this show before it even premiered. Yeah. For $2 million after, uh, or $1.75 million an episode. Almost as much as they played for paid for Blacklist. Mm. Which well, could keep and- this show on the air uh, for a season, even oh, yeah. if the ratings go down. Right. Well, and curious, you know, even if the ratings go down, maybe looking at the plus three, plus seven numbers and things like that, that advertisers don't really take into account so much. Um, maybe if they do take this off the air on Fox, it could they could continue it as a Netflix original series. Yeah, and, and, into and, and season you know what? Two or three. I, I am at this point, like, 
that is a catch-all that I, I make the mistake of calling of, of that catch-all myself. It's like, oh, well, they can, they, they're going to wind up on Netflix. Don't worry about that. Right. It's fine. Or they're going to wind up on, on Amazon Instant. Don't worry. That's fine. Or they're going to get picked up by Yahoo. Who the hell saw that coming for community? Right. Sure, right. Nobody. Side, sidebar. Um, but we need to stop thinking like that because not every show is going to be lucky enough to get picked up even if their num- even if their their streaming numbers are good even if their ratings are are good enough to last somewhere else not every show is going to be as lucky as southland or uh say friday night lights and get picked up by something else once it's concluded and i arrested development is a is a blip in the radar that's not the standard you know it's it's not it not every show is going to wind up being saved in one form or another once they're canceled. It's just not going to happen. Kind of interesting, oh, no, too, agree. that... Um, I'm sorry. I was going to say, it's kind of interesting, too, that Netflix is paying all this money for Gotham, and yet they're also pro- uh, producing the Marvel uh, TV shows. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, play, they're not picking playing, side. <laughs> yeah, they're playing both sides of the street, man. And why, yeah, they, why not, you know? They, they, have, they have Justice League uh, streaming, and they have uh, you know Ultimate Spider-Man streaming. You know who cares? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Their thing is they know that this stuff is, is is has an audience, so why not get on that before somebody else does? You know, with all these other things coming up, Crackle's trying to you know get a piece of this, and you know everything. Everybody's trying to to. Well, uh, we, we got the announcement that Machinima is going to be producing a, an, an, an original animated series. Yeah. With Bruce Tim, uh, mm-hmm. Justice League Gods and Monsters. So yeah, yeah. Can, can I can I rant real quick if you don't mind? Go right ahead. Uh, like, dear dear DC Comics, so you're 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 putting out a new Justice League show that's based in, that's tying right into your new 52 animated movie which was eh. that's 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 great that's fantastic remember how we all had rumors uh, running around that justice league the actual jlu was going to come back in some form or another why can't you just make the damn fans happy and bring that back because we would care a lot more amen if that was the case t- i can tell you if you want Testify. I can explain it to you. I can explain to you why why there is no more jail. You go ahead. They weren't selling enough toys, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, that's and it. That... that is the only reason. That's the yeah. only reason that we didn't get jail. You and Young and Justice yeah. at infinitum is that they weren't selling enough toys to boys because the quality of those toys was crappy for yeah. the price they were charging. Right. Right. Jim, I want to charge actually that. Sit he charged nine ninety nine and fourteen ninety nine. It needs to be better than some Japanese looking crappy plastic. I agree. I agree. I, I want to sit down at some point with the showrunners of Young Justice, and I want to actually straight up ask them that question as to whether or not that was the case. Because I, at this point, uh, with with things that I've heard and with uh, you know with 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 other news that's come out o- over the years since the cancellation of Young Justice, I'm thinking less and less that it was toys and that it was something else. Just like with Justice League, I wouldn't be surprised if they thought that, you know, there were too many old people watching it and not enough young people, and that's why they needed it off the air. Yeah, There's expensive, a long time to produce, and we want them, but that doesn't mean everybody wants it. You're right. And, and yeah. if you're gonna, if you're trying to, to be, you got your other stuff going on right now, and that's what you're trying to do, you don't go backwards. They're, Even they're, though we want it, I want it, but yeah. not, you you don't go backwards. And, was... and, and and yet a show like Beware the Batman was on for exactly eight hundred and ninety three seconds, and they cancel it before the first season's even over. So right, yeah, yeah. There was. And, I'm just gonna say there was an article on Io9 uh, 
about uh, some cartoons drawn by their own toy lines. Okay. And they explain in there that Young Justice appealed to a lot of young girls, mm-hmm. more so even than young boys. Right, I read this article, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, they weren't buying enough toys. Yeah, because they, because, because, of, yeah, because they didn't make any toys that girls would want to buy. Right, exactly. But uh, that's why we don't have JLU and Ad Infinitum. And I agree. I that was my favorite cartoon. Uh, it's probably my I favorite. Rep- probably my favorite representation of the Justice League overall. I still, still yeah. watch it. But part of that is it's not. I don't want to say dumbed down, but that's what I think. Mm. Yeah. It's not. They want something that is very child friendly more than they want anything. Right. Young Justice was very was like a comic in a in a, on a TV screen. It had yes. long form plots. It had. It had a lot of characters. It, it, it had a lot of stuff that um, kids wouldn't tune into. They're thinking the kids wouldn't tune into. It was the best pre New Fifty Two uh, that that I had going after the New Fifty Two launched. Yeah, that's for, yeah, that's and, for you, grown man. Yeah, they're, they're not thinking right. about us. Well, they're think about the about difference in man. tone between Avengers or Smarties Heroes and Avengers oh. Assemble. Exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. or, or Smarties Heroes, like you Night said, was day. was written like a comic. It had good plots, good yes, dialogue, did. story, character development. Avengers Assemble, you know, what turned the Falcon into a Tony Stark geek and it was full of fart jokes and, mm-hmm. and, and, I mean, might as well be Superhero Ultimate Squad. Ultimate you know? Spider-Man, which is essentially Spider-Man meets Family Guy. Like, I yeah. just, ugh, God. But no, just... I don't like it, but the kids sit down there, and I hate Teen Titans Go, but kids <laughs> sit there and watch hours of that. And and, and I'm, I'm completely for that, dude. Honestly, like, if kids are watching and they're getting into it in one way or the other and they wind up reading a comic because of it, then mission accomplished there. I do not care if I'm not watching it. If they're watching it, that's fine. It's just... I want to know whether or not kids, and this is a good question to be to be brought up, are actually going to be watching these Justice League War movies, which are PG-13 rated. And yet I know less and less friends of mine that are caring about these new movies as, as they're coming out. You mean the animated ones? The animated ones. Oh, okay. that, that's that's what I'm talking about. The, anima- the, the animated direct movies. To, the direct to, to DVD. Well, direct yeah. to whatever, home viewing. Yeah, yeah where they suddenly decided they needed to well, go to 52 for everything, and they're, they're PG-13 rated, so they're not for kids, and I've seen less and less adults care about it. So what what the hell? Well, the thing is, is they're hooking in the children young with these cartoons on television, mm-hmm. and like you said, anything that gets a child to read a comic book, I'm all for. Right. But... You know, at that younger of an age, they don't really, you know, it's all dependent upon the parents' money spending, you know, habits and things like that. Whereas once you get into adolescence and and, and into tween years, you know, kids start to have their own money through allowance jobs, things like that. And, you know, if you can get them to watch the Justice League Wars, even though that's a bad example, uh, (laughs) you know, those type of films – at 13, 14 years old, they're going to go to the comic shops. They're going to buy the comic books. You know, they're going to plunk down the four, three, four, five dollars for a comic book, whereas a parent not necessarily would. Right. So I think that 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 it works. Yeah. Uh, one, but you know, back to the toy situation, they're just now starting to realize the age differences the gender neutrality of what they need. I mean, there's a lot more female geeks out there than there once were, or at least out in the open. Hell yeah. And, you know, hashtag Gramoragate. I I personally am influencing my four-year-old niece since she was one, you know, with Spider-Man, Batman, and things like that to the 
point of her fourth birthday, she wanted it to be Spider-Man themed, you know, and my sister was against it because there weren't really any pink decorations and stuff like that, except <laughs> guess what? There were. And now looking at like your superhero, like, like the uh, hero squad or whatever it is, those toys that are for like ages two to five or whatever, there are so many general gender neutral comic book based ones that have just started to come out in the last year. Uh, so I see there being a promising industry for the toy situation, well, you, but you it's, see it at you know, cons. It's, you, you see it at cons every, every time I go to a con, you see I kids do, yeah. going and, and doing that stuff, but toys have been so priced, priced in a way that only grown ass men with jobs. Mm. Can buy. Oh, it. I know. I mean, and that, I have and that a, is the and a crack habit. So <laughs> yeah, that is the way they're becoming. You don't see kids going over there running to go buy a uh, hundred dollar transformers or uh, twenty or thirty dollar uh, figures or whatever. They got tablets and they're doing stuff with those, and they want to connect with games and they want to add, you know, stuff with their video games and stuff like that. Like that's yeah. the stuff that they're running to. Well, that's why there's been so much genius. Yeah, I was going to say there's been so much genius with the crossover of toys to video games and tablets and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Angry Birds, uh, Star Wars Angry Birds, having the little figures and and integrating them into what you can do on your iPad. Uh, The Marvel Unlimited thing they did, they're doing. You can play with it. And like you said, the Disney Infinity. Infinity, uh, Yeah, the Infinity. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, that, I mean, um, I, I. I haven't been interested really in that at all, but now that the Marvel ones have released, especially seeing what they're going to have with uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, I might yeah. actually get to that. So the Arkham <laughs> games, the the kid, you want to talk about kids uh, oh, <laughs> loving little, video yeah. games? Those yep. Arkham games, which those are very adult like, they're mm-hmm. more like DC fifty two than they are the old stuff. Um, Just Gods Among Us, same thing. Right. So yeah. they are loving stuff like that. So to do the the little shorts. With that uh, company, I think it would tune into some of them. If you can yes. get that into some of those uh, gamers' hands, you know, like just just get it out there and make it and give it that look, because people will want like instead of trying to do Batman Beware, nobody cared about Batman Beware. But if you put something like Arkham Asylum, mm. that dead game, you put that up there. The movie, the movie they that they put that. out, that, that that Arkham movie that they put out, Assault looked like the looked, yeah, Assault on Arkham so looked like actually, the best Batman movie that they put out in the, that animated in the last uh, you know five years. Batman was barely in it too. Yeah, but he was only in it for like the, the first two It was points. very dark. Yeah, well, we got Fat Waller, and, and, and it was more of a suicide. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a Suicide Squad. It was a, totally a Suicide yeah. Squad. Yeah, and it was excellent. But it was very dark. And it and, was more and in R, I'd say R rated. I mean, yeah, I think it was R rated. Oh, I'm gonna sleep hey, with. Uh, so that Harley goes back to Ian's part. point of like, you know, if you're if you're making these, you know, animated things, who are you making them for? If you're making them for the fanboys, you've alienated them by popping into the New Fifty Two and not going back to the well and using older stories from before the New Fifty Two. And if you're trying to sell them to kids, they're way too violent for kids. I wouldn't let my kid watch that. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I'd say 14, 15 are, are, are up. Yeah. Like, that's 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 about where they are. I mean, and yeah, calling them PG-13, there's there's occasionally some wee, some leeway here, but these are like PG-14, PG-15. Like, they're they're really high up there on the yeah. mark. Even, even going back to the Under the Red Hood and stuff like that. Like, there yes. were some really questionable scenes in that. The Wonder Woman movie, which I'm a huge fan of. Gail Simone written Wonder Woman movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that had beheadings in it. Yep. Yes, it did. 
Yeah. Yeah. If I was a kid, man, when I was a kid, this is what I wanted. Yeah. Or this is what I wanted when I was growing up. (laughs) Oh, man. I could have just. Well, that's the thing. A lot of these people making this stuff are our age. <laughs> and they wanted this growing up, and now they're giving it to the new generation. It's just uh, that they're making some missteps here and there, like Justice League War. You, you know what the DC animated Dan. movies need more of? Blue lasers and red lasers, all right? That's it. Blue lasers and red lasers and and a whole bunch of parachutes. That's what these movies <laughs> Lots of parachutes. Lots of parachutes. I, um, it's funny because I, I was planning on doing an animation segment in the, in the, the show, um, about the uh, I'm doing a rewatch of the uh, Legion of Superheroes cartoon that came out oh, after, nice. right after Justice League Unlimited. Uh, James, oh, it was so good. Just, and it was like the first season was kind of was good, and the second season was really, really. It was good. a war story. Yeah, they brought in um, Imperiax from the mm-hmm. Worlds of War. Yeah, they brought in a clone of Superman from the future, who was kind of like a version of Superboy Prime, who didn't suck. And uh, it was it was cool. I mean, I was a fan of the Legion when I was a kid, and it, it was really they were really true to the characters. And uh, it just I it kind of flew under my radar for a long time, and I didn't watch it. And I thought you had seen that though. I I I'd seen uh, an episode here and there when it came out, mm-hmm. and didn't you know? I thought it was okay, but didn't really think a whole lot of it. Kind of dismissed it. Is that but streaming, Jim? Uh, no. I actually I I borrowed the DVDs from a friend. Gotcha. Yeah, it's okay. not streaming. I, I've so checked. Streaming. I still yeah. check. It's it's yeah. still just disc I, only. But they are they are available on DVD. So. Yeah, yeah, okay. they're disc only. Cool. But uh, yeah, I just I, I would like you know recommend that to the listeners. Uh, I was I was pretty surprised by you know some of the, like some of the stories, some of the depth, and some of the darkness, and some of the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was a good series, and like I said, it flies a lot of under a lot of people's radars who are fans of like Batman Beyond, Justice League Unlimited. And you know the great you know WB you know golden age of, of uh, superhero animation there. Yeah. yeah, I think the teen stuff that they did with that was very like it was it tied into a lot of Young Justice how they wrote that cartoon. I'll, like, I'll there admit was a I lot passed that on thing. that originally because it didn't tie into the episode of uh, Justice League where Supergirl goes off with the Legion of Superheroes. Like I mm-hmm. swore that that's what they were setting up for that series, and when I didn't see Supergirl in it, I'm like, all right, I guess I can skip this, but. Uh, if, if I, I I take your word for it, Jim. If I can track down some cheap DVDs, I'll happily give it a watch. You got to get through the first season. is is, is more of a setup. Okay. I got you. You look at it. It's more of just set up him having. He doesn't have all his powers yet. Um, getting to know these teens, but then you go to the next. Uh, they morph. They go to the next season, and you're like, "What the hell just happened with this?" Yeah, it's like the sun just went out. In fact, it was something like that. Like the sun went dark, and then they mix in episode. They mix in um, parts of of, of storylines like the you know, Our Worlds at War. Yeah, um, wow. the Great yeah. Darkness Saga, um, the Starheart Saga with the you know, the Brainiac of the Future, uh-huh. um, stuff like that. They mix into. The I show. like that one. Yeah. It was yeah. a straight war story. Like what it, it really went into being a war story and having these young kids. Fighting for their lives. Basically. So similar, yeah. similar to, to how war. Young Justice Season 1 was so-so and Young Justice Season 2 was blow your mind amazing. That's what happened with Legion. Yeah, yeah you got the setups and relationships were formed. Yeah, the beginning of the, had the relationships formed. And then after they did that, nice. it was go time. Cool. But that's my uh, my DC animation uh, suggestion for the for the episode. So. Sweet. Check that out. Uh, well, guys. Just give me a... Just 
Go ahead. Just what? Oh, I was going to make a stupid joke, but go ahead. Not you. <laughs> That'd be so out of character for you. <laughs> I was... I, I was just going to say, give me a Ted Knight narrated Super Friends, and I'm happy. <laughs> all, Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. We, uh, we all, we're all big fans of Ted Knight and his voiceovers here. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, well, I think that about wraps it up for the DC TV podcast this week. Hopefully, some of you guys will be able to make it next week talk about the next episode of Gotham. Uh, just to keep everybody posted, the premieres for The Flash... And the Arrow are both on October 7th. That'll be two weeks from uh, when we're recording, actually, tonight. And uh, then Constantine has been pushed back to October 24th because they did some reshoots on that pilot, I suppose. Uh, so oh, yeah. So um, we'll be definitely keeping you posted on that as well. Uh, until then, thanks for uh, joining me, guys. Would you like to... Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug, promote, and or mention here at the end? Hmm. Let's see. Oh yeah, right. That podcast I do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> comic timing. Check it out at uh, comictiming.net. Uh, we have like like I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, comic timing extra point episode eleven was released uh, just a couple days before this recording, with uh, Chris and I giving our thoughts on uh, on Gotham and Constantine and a couple of other. Uh, thoughts here and there about random things like she went on a rant about this uh, Star Wars book she read and how it was essentially uh, like one of those uh, over-referencing books. It was a John, I think it was, she said it was a John Scalzi book, but I'm not sure, where uh, uh, freaking Han Solo is running away from a boulder Indiana Jones style. Like, come on. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of cheesy. Yeah, really. And uh, in uh, probably by the time this episode is out, if not a day or two after that, uh, we'll be releasing episode 160 of Comic Timing, which is actually race and ethnicity in comics, which mm. is one of my favorite episodes we've recorded in quite some time. It's me, Brent, uh, Julian Lytle, and uh, Brandon Christopher just uh, doing our best to shoot from the hip and be straight about a topic. And I think we did a really good job with it. Nice, so. nice. ComicTiming.net, check it out. Julian's always a treat. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. <laughs> How about you, Daryl? Anything you'd like to mention? Uh, you can just go to tailornetworkofpodcast.com and you can see all the uh, podcasts there. All the podcasts that the tycoon has his thumbs in. Yes. And then, uh, <laughs> of course, you can pick out uh, DCTV Podcast at dctvpodcast.com or you can catch it at hhwlod.com as part of the HHWLOD network of podcasts. We're up to about 12 podcasts right now. If you like this television podcast, we have another one uh, all about Sleepy Hollow called the Icapod Cranecast. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's my boys yes. Aaron and Brandon killing it down there. How um, very punny. Yeah, well, that's how they roll out in California, I suppose. Yes. And if you like the TV talk here, Daryl and myself and our compatriot Donnie Salvo uh, do it pretty much every week on Nothing's On on the Taylor Network of Podcasts. You can talk talk more about television, and uh, if you by the time this comes out, our next episode will be our fall premiere extravaganza. We've been watching a lot of TV. Oh, a lot. We'll be overloading and talking all about those wonderful shows that we've been watching uh, this premiere week, so... Until next week, thank you very much, and uh, bye. Bye. Good night.
a certain man And for the poor you may be sure that he'll do all he can Who is this one? Whose favorite son? Just by his action has the traction magnets on the run Who likes to smoke? Enjoys a joke And wouldn't get a bit upset if he were really broke With wealth and fame He's still the same I'll bet you five you're not alive if you don't know his name.